Welcome to the podcast. Here we seek first to understand a wide range of topics in culture, politics, and society, and then to draw conclusions. It doesn't matter what you think, just that you think deeply and be open to all perspectives. I'm not here to convince you to take a position on anything. I just want your position, opinions, and engagements to be formed on sound critical thinking and analysis. Because if you don't learn to think for yourself, others will think for you. And almost certainly, they won't have your best interests at heart. Intellectual freedom is the right to hold, receive, and disseminate ideas without restriction. It is an integral component of a democratic society. This is under attack in our modern culture. Intellectual freedom ironically seems even harder to achieve in the age of technology. Our superficial, lightning-paced lifestyle doesn't lend itself well to thinking critically. This hurts our intellectual freedom. If we're brutally honest, we don't have a self-governing or well-informed citizenry. Intellectual freedom suffers when the citizens don't think independently and critically. We're in trouble right now from the intellectual fog of name-calling, blaming, shaming, bullying, moralistic demagoguery. However, just as things sometimes decay and die, there is also the potential for rebirth and growth. We can get past the oppressive weight of the decline. This podcast will hopefully provide a new and different way to look at things on modern topics without the hyperbole, the yelling, the screaming, the name-calling. We do take on tough and emotional topics, but we do this in a way that's empathetic, open-minded, and non-binary. I'm Dr. David Hopkins, Professor of Humanities, your guide. My goal is to apply critical thinking, logic, reasoning, and analysis of philosophy and history to add context and understanding to our crazy modern world in which we live. But enough with the formalities. Let's get started. We learn in many ways. One form of learning comes from declarative memory. And these are very explicit in our life. You know, these things include our memories of objects or places we visited or events from our our past. You know, we literally experience them directly and we learn from them. But we also learn from non-declarative memory. Things like habits that we form or skills that we develop or even priming. You know, some of these things are good, some of them bad, some of them, you know, we really don't pay much attention to. So learning in general is this process by which we acquire new understanding, knowledge, behaviors, skills, values, attitudes, and preferences. Humans have incredible ability to learn. I mean, beyond any other species on the planet Earth. Now, in our modern world, we have a great understanding of how we actually do this, and it's truly amazing how our brain works. Yet, for the amazing potential, the opportunity for abuse and corruption is profound. Since it is no hidden secret how we learn, 
corrupt Democrats and Republicans and politicians in general have the ability to manipulate this amazing thing that we call learning to shape our attitudes, our values, and our behaviors. In this podcast, I'm going to reveal some of the most perverse tactics politicians use to manipulate our minds to meet their desired outcomes. I want to state right away that if anyone listening thinks either the Democrats or the Republicans are the quote-unquote innocent and the other side is the quote-unquote guilty, you may just want to go ahead and stop listening right now because I doubt you want to hear what I have to say. And your conscious conditioning will likely trigger emotions that will not allow you to listen and appreciate the tactics that are used by all politicians on both sides of the aisle. If you are offended in me, even saying both parties manipulate the same, just with different messages, then your mind has already been conditioned and you're not ready yet to even consider the alternative that both political parties are disconnected from serving the people. Neither is honestly working for the betterment of the people in the country. And with a very rare exception, they serve the interests of their party and their own self-interests first. I say this very sad that I make this type of a comment, but in reality... It's hard not to see it, and I'll show you many, many examples of how this is going on. But we have all had the messages from both sides thrown at us incessantly over and over enough times. You know, Democrats good, Republicans bad, Democrats open-minded, Republicans racist, Democrats for the people, Republicans for corporations. Or on the other side, Republicans good, Democrats bad, Republicans thriving economy, Democrats socialist nightmare, Republicans patriotic, Democrats hate America. And I mean, I can just go on and on with these these silly, superficial blanket statements. You know, these war drum beat mantras, are, they're just repeated over and over and over enough times. In the minds of many, it just becomes true and real just because of the repetition of the whole thing. This is why it now takes hundreds of millions of dollars to win a presidential election. I mean, it costs a lot of money to get that demagoguery message ingrained in the minds of those people who vote. You know, it's interesting in the age of information where so much of the messaging is open, available, and free on the internet, our politicians are spending more and more money than ever to just launch out and burn out simpleton sound bites and kindergarten-like phrases into the psyche of the American citizen. And the sad thing, way too many people accept it verbatim. And we know that they accept it verbatim, because the politicians keep doing it more and more. And if it didn't work, they would switch tactics. 
So as the elections draw near and near, the bombardment of advertisements are starting already again to pick up steam. The cable news activists on the left in CNN and MSNBC and most of the regular networks with Fox News and the radio talk show hosts on the right side, you get this incessant drumbeat of reducing very complex arguments into 20-second sound bites and 30-second TV segments, YouTube and social media ads, and it just gets to be a ridiculous fevered pitched. It's a well-orchestrated symphony of classic conditioning, really, which is the main thrust of what I, what I want to talk about in this particular podcast, how politicians use this technique called classical conditioning to influence and win public opinion. Sadly, for the most part, we don't even really recognize this manipulation is going on because we've been so absorbed with it for so long. I hope you will understand by the end of this podcast that the fact is we're blindly let the political parties influence us, which is why the politicians do it and continue to do it at an alarmingly high frequency. So let's first talk about this thing called classical conditioning. This type of learning uh, works brilliantly on animals like dogs, for example, and works equally well for politicians attempting to influence our behavior. Isn't it ironic and actually kind of sad and embarrassing that the type of learning that works so well in animals works brilliantly well for politicians on human beings? The irony of this shouldn't be lost on anyone. In our modern, sophisticated, intellectually superior bubble we all believe we live in, oh, we're just so smart and sophisticated in our modern world. Yeah, right. Uh, But okay, enough of this sarcasm and let's just go ahead and talk about it. You know, we'll start with behaviorism. This is a theory of learning that states all behaviors are learned through interaction with the environment through a process that's called conditioning. So our behavior, your behavior and mine, is simply nothing more than a response to environmental stimuli that we experience. Behaviorism is only concerned with observable stimulus response behaviors because in this school of thought, it can be studied in a very systematic and observable manner. So everything I talk about in the use of this classical conditioning um, and applying it to a context of our current political situation in the United States of America, it's very observable and, and we can see it all every day. So politicians, they are very keenly drawn to this behaviorism for one very simple reason, and you've probably already figured out. In democracy, to the politician, one behavior and one behavior alone stands above all other behaviors. And we know what that is. Show up and vote. But more importantly, show up and vote for me. So anything in any way that a politician can influence your behavior, my behavior, is of the utmost importance. 
within that school of thought of behaviorism lies that term classical conditioning that I've now mentioned a few times. And it's a type of learning that has had a major influence on behaviorism. And the idea of classical conditioning, if you study the history of it, almost came about by accident. And it was discovered by a Russian physiologist, not even a psychologist. His name was Ivan Pavlov. And and, and it's a learning process that it, it occurs through associations between the environmental stimulus Remember that term, environmental stimulus and a naturally occurring stimulus. So let's take this technical topic and make it real world, easy to understand, relevant. So let's go back to your high school or your intro to psych class in college one more time. As you, you may have actually studied this at some point and Pavlov's experiments with dogs to understand how this pairing of the environmental stimulus and the natural occurring stimulus happens. Um, so... In his, experiment, in his experiment, Pavlov, um, he took this natural occurring stimulus, which was dogs salivate in response to food. It's just, a, it's naturally happens. The dog doesn't think about it. It's just the dog does it. So what Pavlov did is he took that experimental variable and what he did is he used the ringing of the bell and he would ring the bell before he would give the dog their food. And he did this over and over and over and over again uh, with the dogs. And then something amazing began to happen. The dogs began to associate that ringing of the bell with being fed. And so after a certain amount of time, the sound of the ringing bell alone could produce the salivation response in the dog. Pavlov had literally trained the dog to associate the bell to food and evoke that behavioral reaction. Even though they are not related whatsoever, naturally, he trained the dog through repetition to react exactly the way he wanted it to react. And this training, it, it took this completely unrelated thing and could make their natural response occur from it. And that's the conditioned response. So now Pavlov has manipulated behavior. He trained the dog what it wanted the dog to do without the dog even thinking about it. I said a few minutes ago, it's kind of ironic that human beings can be related to that dog, but it's kind of scary that without even thinking, without even thinking, without even thinking, the corrupt political system we live in, I'm fascinated by these dirty politicians who have figured out a way to get many Americans to, without even thinking about it, go the way they want. You know, right now, I myself, as I'm speaking, have to question even my own perceptions. You know, am I being too hard on these politicians? You know, I'm, I'm not a politician. I've never been one. And maybe a couple times in my life, I may have met one. But I'm not a very political person 
by nature as far as I don't belong to a political party and I certainly have no desire to become a politician so I I don't run nor associate with that circle and sometimes I wonder is it just my frustrations with the system that I see such I have such a negative perspective of what comes out of these people you know as a humanities professor I'm trained to study what happened, what was created, and what were the outcomes. As I see it, what a politician says very rarely ever matches the outcomes they produce. So I'm left with this thing of either these politicians are incompetent, they are extreme exaggerators, they're outright liars. They have a unrealistic expectation of anything they can do and, and lack the rational intellect to be able to articulate it. Or they're corrupt. Or maybe they're just flat out power hungry. Or possibly maybe it's a little bit of all of them. So, you know, until I can find a politician where their words match their actions that demonstrate benefit for the people first and their own power and their self-interest second, I'm kind of stuck with my perception of these people. I'm waiting for that action and I hope someday I'm proven dead wrong. But as it sits, it certainly appears based on past actions that these politicians are using this technique this ability to shape human behavior for their own outcomes in a very bad way for the overall the overall viability of the country. So I want to ask a tough question now. Prior to when you vote in the upcoming presidential election, and be honest with yourself as you hear my, my voice speaking to you, how much in-depth analysis will, will you do on the candidate's actual policies beyond, beyond just, you know, headline sound bites? Will you even attempt to look at their plans, their written plans, beyond what you hear in TV commercials, beyond two-minute segments from a, from a cable news partisan? Uh, if you lean towards one candidate or party, would you even consider listening to the other party or a person who believes in the other party's stance? If not, you've been classically conditioned. You have been conditioned by the party or the politician to behave in a very specific way. And just like that dog could be conditioned to salivate at the sound of the bell versus seeing the food, the same type of behavior has been conditioned in you. You know, as we know, in our modern world, the way we behave tends to be a yell, name call, or refuse to even consider anything that disagrees with the, with the conditioning as it pertains to politics especially. If your emotions simply rise up at the mention of the other party, the partisanship and divide that outwardly the politicians decry as terrible 
and bad and they want to unite everyone together. You know, they would if only it wasn't the fault of the other side is in fact exactly what they want. They need that divide. And we're conditioned to believe the great wisdom and give the title of protectorate to these thieves. And we do it almost in a state of self-hypnosis. It is done in a deliberate drowning out of critical thinking and rational thought through their rhythmic, incessant noise, hyperbole, and nonsense. You know, for those in power to keep their power permanently, the prevailing mental condition has to be controlled insanity. Amongst ourselves, we, we wander out loud in trusted circles. You know, how in the world can these politicians be so stupid? How can they be so incompetent and worthless? How can they not seemingly figure out simple common solution, common sense solutions for X, Y, or Z? The fact is, though, that these politicians, they are not stupid. Their goal isn't really to solve problems for the people. Their goal is to is unmitigated power and to hold power. And for that to happen, it's much easier if things are in a state of chaos. It has to flow back and forth between the extremes. Liberal wins, conservative wins, liberal wins, conservative wins. They flip-flop from one to the other. And that's okay if that happens. But in the end, the machine always wins. Because there's only two parties. And the machine controls these parties. And so thus, yes, each side can can attack the others equally, but at the end, they're both in Washington, D.C. For both parties, the average politician is a millionaire. For both parties, the average degrees are law. For both parties, all their kids go to the same Washington, D.C. schools. For both parties, they hang out in the same the same social circles after the day's over. And for both parties... They're all one big happy country club. But see, we don't realize all that behind the scenes stuff. You know, you may be thinking right now, nah, that's that's just crazy. They they don't they don't really control us like that. Well, let me give you some data points to consider. This was a, a recent poll, a Gallup poll. 75% of Americans, all Americans, in both political parties disapprove of Congress. 75%. Now, logically, we would think then, with a approval rating of Congress that's been above 70% for some time now, that in the next election, we should see a wipeout of Congress, that all these people that we see that are now in their 70s and have been elected for 20, 30, 40 years would just be swept out of office. Because we just, beyond any numerical data, overwhelmingly, despise our politicians yet yet the incumbent re-election rate that those in congress are re-elected at a rate that is over 85 
percent. So we disapprove of them at 75 percent, but we reelect them at an 85 percent rate. How in the world can this be? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, right? Why does this happen? Is it because Americans have been conditioned like Pavlov's dogs? Their behavior is trained that even when they seemingly inherently know their own politician from their own party is not really doing the job, when it comes time to show up and vote and pull the lever, they vote for the same garbage over and over and over again. The hypnosis of the people is working. And basically that is the mantra of you must reelect me. As if you don't, that conservative is going to come in and make the corporations wealthy and you will have nothing. Or on the other side, you must reelect me. As if you don't, this liberal is going to take away your guns and shut off the oil supply. Both statements are preposterous and ludicrous. Both Republicans and Democrats name, threaten, throw out apocalyptic drama. The crap is shoveled out real deep in election season. Very frequently until the already conditioned person says, Oh, well, I don't like this person, but I'm going to go vote for them anyway, as I will never vote for a Democrat or Republican. As if I would switch, it's going to get even worse. At this point, too, I want to mention another. It's a hilarious tactic, and it's starting to lose its effectiveness, but... I mean, we're heading into another election season, and we know what's going to happen. Breaking, scintillating news. Donald Trump uh, was best friends with the president of Russia. Or breaking news. Joe Biden stole $10 billion from the, from the Chinese. You know, it just we're going to get that sort of ridiculous and it's funny it's breaking news just released but somehow it times itself exactly perfect right on a very specific period of time within the election cycle i'm sure it's all just coincidence but i'm just throwing that out there that that may just be another one of the tactics that they're using so the most significant part of classical conditioning though is the acquisition stage of learning when when that response is first established and then over time it just gradually becomes strengthened you know maybe some of that initial conditioning occurred even when you were growing up maybe your family grew up democrat or grew up republican and that was the initial conditioning or maybe that wasn't the case in your home but as you progress through high school or college ideas begin to submit um, one way or another inside of your mind or maybe it's even the internet social media filter bubble um that that you know that created the influence for you but somehow somewhere you began shaping your view your views and if we look back on how those views were shaped sadly many of those things those little individual nuggets of knowledge 
were not presented from an intellectual, a rational, or an evaluative perspective, but rather from sound bites, emotion, fear, drama, repetition, overgeneralized simplicities. Because most people, most of the time, are looking for the easy way out. You know, my perception of politicians, based on the actions and words they speak, is they view the mass of citizens as basically uninformed, apathetic, and pretty much cowardly, based on their advertisements and based on how they speak, based on their um, the way that they they conduct themselves in interviews and debates. You know, it seems they believe Americans are completely self-absorbed. They don't really want the truth, and thus we all need to be ruled over, and when necessary, told things that make no sense or have no factual basis, and that if we have to make a choice between our own happiness or, our, or a collective united struggle and pain, Americans, in general, most of the time, will only choose their own self-interest and avoid any pain as much as possible. Unless, of course, that pain can be passed off to some other people and have them absorb the pain, but surely not the individual. See, the political parties over the last three to four decades have managed to separate Americans into two very different teams. We've been conditioned. Democrat, liberal, Republican, conservative, and now the party, each of these parties has become the guardian of the values of either side of the political aisle in defense against the other side. So surely the party justifies its actions, and it must use tactics such as lying, deceiving, making outlandish accusation and statements, but they justify it as sometimes evil must be done for the overall greater good. What utter and complete villainous lies they spew. In an effort to achieve a greater good, they divide the country. All should be removed all on both sides. A complete cleansing from the inside out needs to happen with these these vipers, these despicable creatures, many of whom have been there for 30 or 40 years, squawking out the same rubbish, separating our country in the name of political expedience. Of course, for the good of the nation, they're liars. If the original Constitution was founded on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, our modern version of politicians seems to be founded on hatred. In our current political climate, it seems the only emotions that exist are fear, rage, triumph of the party, and hate. In the political theater of modern American politics, everything else can be destroyed. The links that unite us between the young and the old, race relations, man and woman, state to state, is in the middle of the most perverse propaganda war of separation we have seen from these politicians. It's waged with, without regard for the people. 
it is waged for victory by the political party at all costs. I've never seen intellectual freedom. I've never seen rational, critical thinking tossed out as quickly and abusively as we're seeing with this modern batch of politicians. You know, the United States is the greatest melting pot in the history of civilization. People from the globe make their home here. You know, I've traveled extensively inside and outside of the country, and no country anywhere can boast such amazing diversity and freedom. Yet in our modern era, the media and many politicians are trying to make it seem our country is the most vile, oppressive country to ever exist. And guess who's at fault? The other side of the political argument is the problem. What a, what a pathetic, awful, terrible lie. But enough of this doom and gloom. Before it's too late, there is always hope. So I want to transition to manipulation that's used by Democrats and Republicans alike to bind us through this conscious conditioning and mind control. Because when we identify the tactics, then when we hear them, we can turn it off and reject it. And if we can, we can laugh in their face at it. Um, if enough people en masse begin this process of, of reprogramming the mind, then we may potentially be able to make the change. So I want to talk about one of the first techniques that's used in this. Uh, and this is where it gets more complex than Pavlov and his dog. I mean, he took one simple little stimulus and a ringing of the bell and he paired it with the dog salivating over food and voila they were united obviously in in american political systems and politics and mass media and social media and all that it's a lot more challenging but these things these techniques these actions that they take you can easily identify them. And when you see them and when you hear them, not only on the other side, but in your own political leanings, we need to be quick to bring them up that that isn't a viable, that isn't a rational, that isn't an intellectual argument. So the first technique, incredibly effective by the political parties, is criticizing a name college. And let's just be clear here, there is no intellectual skill, nor any critical thinking, nor leadership ability in name-calling, nor is there really any skill in criticizing. None. Never. Ever. Simply stop listening to it. Dismiss it like a child having a temper tantrum. Any buffoon can name-call and criticize other people. You know, we hear it. President Trump's a racist. He's a sexist. You can't vote for him. Look it up. The last three Republican candidates were all called racist and sexist. Republicans, on the other hand, scream, oh, my goodness, that Democrat's a socialist. Oh, they're going to take your guns and destroy the Second Amendment. Oh, they're going to turn America into Cuba. You know, Republicans do this every single election. You know, just look it up. Sadly, President Trump is a serial name caller. And whether you support him or don't, I mean, there's really no denying that. And he isn't the first one, so we can't pretend like 
you know, Donald Trump created name calling in politics. That would be absurd. Uh, but, but the fact is that things are getting progressively worse. And this name calling that goes on, it, it doesn't do anything but lower the discussion. It lowers, it takes out the intellectual piece. And in many ways, this name calling degrades into third grade schoolyard nonsense. So, you know, criticizing in and of itself is not a problem. I mean, there's two different parties right now. There's multiple opinions on how to do something. Those in power have to be able to handle being criticized and critiqued. We need diversity of thought. But the problem with just criticizing occurs when it happens without any analysis and most importantly, without offering us coherent alternative solution. Again, any buffoon can, can criticize somebody, but do you have an alternative plan, an alternative solution? If not, it's nothing more than hyperbole, hot air, and fear-mongering. And it's just a waste of time. It's a waste of time to listen to somebody who's criticizing all the time. You may have someone in your life who criticizes everything, but they never bring forth a solution. They never actively participate in the solution. They just criticize and name-call and criticize and name-call, and it's worthless. And we should expect more from our politicians in Washington, D.C., than this childlike behavior of criticizing and name-calling. Secondly, politicians that are conditioning you, they don't ever want you to consider the other side. You know, for the party to hold power and keep you under control, they don't even want you to even listen to anything else i've noticed a really interesting phenomena with our friends in the cable news cable activist world i've noticed that msnbc cnn is not publishing and not airing parts of trump's conversations instead it's cherry picking pieces of it then it's leaving and not letting people hear him speak the whole time. That's a scary thing when we have a president of the United States and if he's going to give a speech or he's going to make an announcement to the people, you need to carry the whole thing, not carry a part of it and then all of a sudden cut out to your quote-unquote political experts who are going to quote-unquote interpret the rest for you. That's dangerous. That's incredibly dangerous because a lot of people who don't have the time to sit and listen, but yet then the other, the side not in power is going to turn around and interpret our president's statements. That's not good. See, the other side doesn't want you to hear the other side sometimes. But even in your own life, think about this. I'll ask you a tough question here. Do you struggle to even listen to anyone who doesn't have the same political beliefs as you? Do you change the channel? Do you turn down the sound? Do you get upset? Do you click past the website? Do you ignore the comments? Do you unfriend people on social media uh, of anybody that has a different view than yours? If you do, 
I hate to say this, and I say it kindly, you're like a sheep, and the party's doing exactly what they want you to do. You've been conditioned to not listen to the other side, because your natural state was more than likely one that you could listen, and you could react, and you didn't have to get mad, and you didn't have to get angry. But if you're there now, and you're fleeing any thought or opinion that doesn't mesh with what you have been taught to believe, there's a problem. I get this. This is really, really hard. I mean, I struggle with it too. Just like just like you, I have my own opinions, and it's sometimes really hard for me not to prejudge, not to just get mad. Um, and boy, it's sometimes even just hard to listen to it. It takes a tough stomach and it takes an open-mindedness to do it. But if you want to have intellectual freedom, you have to break away from that controlling party. They've trained you not to want to listen to it. They've trained you to get so mad that you turn it off, you get upset, you shut them down, whatever the case is. Um, because in their world, they want you like a nice little lap dog doing and voting exactly like the party has programmed you to do. And there's no reason to listen to any other side. So another thing, manipulative people and political par parties, they're always keeping score. They're always tallying. They're always tallying. And, you know, Trump was has been incredibly guilty of that. Are you tired of winning yet? We won here. We won here. We won here. And the other side, we won there. We won there. We won there. Uh, you know, there's never a moment in which things aren't calculated from a political standpoint. Wouldn't it be so awesome if they'd say, oh, everyone won, all America won. You know, notice how almost in almost every single issue in Congress, it's just a party line vote. All the Democrats vote one way, all the Republicans vote the other way. Maybe there's 5% or so who actually dare go outside the party line. Maybe they're straddling a district that's part Democrat, part Republican, and they got to walk a tightrope there on that. Um, but, you know, you could say politicians in Washington, D.C. are the biggest sheep of anyone. They're worse than almost a teenager succumbing to peer pressure. And this is the opposite of what our Constitution wanted. You know, the manipulation is occurring when you see from your politicians keeping score. Oh, I'll give you this, but then you're going to owe me that, or I give you this, but then you have to give me that. It's cliche, but nothing is ever free ever in life. There's a cost, there's a repercussion for every single thing you do. And that manipulative tactic of giving this for that um, and keeping score, you know, it's it's pure sign of of conditioning that we see with our politician. Another one, your politicians gaslight you. Now, I want to just define gaslighting in, in this format. So gaslighting, it, it's a kind of psychological manipulation in which a person or a group uh, covertly sows seeds of doubt in a targeted individual or group. You know, we're making them question their own memory or questioning their own perception or their own judgment, you know, or, or making them think they're crazy uh, and including, you know, even things such as low self-esteem, they'll take advantage of that. So politicians gaslighting you um, is a is a real serious problem. And here's where our partisan hack media 
in collaboration with politicians, they sow incredible discord and they will manipulate and they will change based on the flow of whatever happens. And I'll just mention here real quick, I want you to think back to COVID-19 just for one second. And that, and you know, it started immediately in the name of science. We make our decisions based on science and data. You know, it's a modern rallying cry by politicians to justify decisions. But yet often science isn't even in consensus or, or is manipulated to do whatever it wants. Because you remember when the crisis first hit and we were told and everybody was scared. They shut down the country. Uh, we were all freaking out when that first hit. And uh, an obvious question in a pandemic, wow, should we all be wearing masks? It would seem logical that in a pandemic, a mask would make sense. And what was the mantra from our politicians? Oh, no, masks, they don't really matter. You know, it's more about washing your hands and you keep your social distance and stay at home and, you know, don't do whatever. You know, that was the, the word in February. But of course, you know, as April and May rolled around, it's like, okay, no. Uh, actually, science and data is telling us you need to wear a mask. Now, here's the piece of manipulation in this. We know for a fact, and even it came out, a lot of that initial you don't need a mask was based on one thing, trying to secure supply for medical staff. But it was a lie, and it was a manipulation. Of course, they said they did it for the good of what they had to get done, so they just lied to everybody about that uh, that process. And now we know for a fact that masks definitely, or at least in a minimum, partially do assist with stopping the spread of COVID-19. That's a pure manipulation tactic. I'll take this in the realm of college football again with this based on science and data. You know, the Big Ten, I'm a huge college football uh, person. I love college football, especially I love Big Ten football, but uh, the Big Ten and Pac-12, they're not going to play the fall season. And they did it, as they said, based on quote-unquote science and data. But at the same time, in the name of science and data, the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 will play football. So be very wary of trying to manipulate, connive, confuse in the name of science. You know, it's sad because it, it was one of the last few bastions where intellectual freedom remained apart and separate from politics. But now, unfortunately, it seems that even our medical community is being manipulated the same way our judicial system and polarized and politicized the same way. It's very sad. Uh, but back to gaslighting and our TV radio experts and our senior political analysts. You know, these people, they prance and parade and spout the party line, uh, which seems credible, but is the same load of manure the politicians say. In the end, the facts are not real facts and the opinions become facts that fit a nice little narrative. And we, we hear our analysts spinning stories with quote unquote facts and analysis and um, 
undisclosed sources or closest source to the close sources close to the president uh we get all these narratives and things that we don't really we can't get to the bottom of of where the truth may lie I mean, there's so many things in social media, cable news, talk radio, blogs, podcasts, memes, where denial, misdirection, contradiction, misinformation, they spew forth daily in this unending stream. And in the end, it can make even the most stable feel destabilized and your sound beliefs can seem unsteady. You know, if I turn on Fox News tonight, I'm going to see a video of riots in the streets. I'm going to be told that Antifa, uh, Black Lives Matter, far left extremists are ravaging. They're burning American cities and America is on the verge of destruction. And I can watch those videos straight up. But if I flip to CNN and MSNBC, they're going to tell me, oh, those videos. I mean, if they are actually rare, they're real. They're just such a minority. There's not really all these riots happening everywhere. I mean, all these social justice protests are peaceful. You know, each side of the equation is attempting to question your own sanity. And if you dare to question these political experts, they parade that parade across the screens. They're just going to shout and yell and spout you down. That tactic of making you think you're crazy or you're unstable or you can't tell what the truth is, is a common manipulation tactic. It's used constantly in politics. Outright lies are given as facts. Vehemently denying allegations or even events with even video and audio proof. Oh, here's another one of my favorites. The uh, release of a video or an audio and the politician or whomever. Oh, well, I just misspoke. I mean, in the old days, and this one annoys me to know, and misspeaking is just a nice way to say that you lied. And it just makes me sick and it just annoys us all. But um, I digress on that one. So gaslighting is just, it's a belittling, confusing a person's emotions. It's mocking them. It's name calling them. It's, it's, you know, by the oh so popular and oh the, the super intelligent in the room making statements like how can the other side be so stupid and ignorant it is so obvious what the right answer is do you know anybody like that do you sometimes do the same thing you know just as a news flash for those who go down this road and i've done it myself too i would never say that i haven't you know you don't and i don't possess any more intellect than the other side you know we've been conditioned like pavlov's dog to lash out in a behavior and respond like that to others because it's in defense of the party, right? Uh, You know, you realize this grand intellect and my grand intellect on political leanings are almost certainly shaped by evaluating just one side of the spectrum. In general, human intelligence is shown to be about the same for everyone. With, of course, there are very fair, very rare exceptions, but the probability of you or I being in this superior intellect category, it's more probable 
you and I have been played, then we are super intelligent and the other side so stupid. Just something for all of us to consider and surely, you know, a sign of low intellect is actually to extol your own brilliance while mocking another's lack of insight. Just a thought that we all need to remember in these very, very tough times that that we're in. Finally, on this topic of gaslighting, another tactic is to stage bizarre events. You know, these, these events can be so outrageous and so ostentatious that they just have to be true. For example, wow, Donald Trump is a Russian puppet. Wow, Donald Trump is a Nazi. Oh my goodness. The Democrats want to end oil production next year for solar power. Wow, Barack Obama was born in Kenya and he isn't even an American. You know these things. We hear these things. Politicians now are making them more wild, more huge, more bold, and they just throw them out there without any fear, without any remorse, without any shame, just to see what might stick. You know, the key in gaslighting is to simply get you to second-guess yourself and sow seeds of confusion. Overwhelm you with stuff. As when there is so much propaganda out there, it makes you think, wow, maybe I really am on the wrong side. I've been on the wrong side all along. It's a very devious, devious manipulation attempt. And you know what happens, and it works, because it either won... It'll make people move to the other side. Just, wow, I think I need to leave this, my political leanings. Or two, it's just going to firm it up more strong. Say, wow, these people are attacking so strong. I'm retreating even stronger back into my the fortress of my party beliefs that I've been holding. And then finally, parties manipulate and they intimidate you through fear. Fear is one of the strongest human emotions. And the reason fear is such a powerful emotion is it's driven by perceived threats or, that are uncontrollable or unavoidable. You know, human beings, you and I, we don't, we don't like to, to have a feeling where we're not in control. And politicians know this. And although in America, at least not yet, politicians are not threatening physical violence if you don't conform, the fact is they are intimidating you through fear. Just watch the advertisements that are showing up for this election cycle, you know, and just listen to the rhetoric. If you vote for Donald Trump, this country will soon become a Nazi dictatorship. If you vote for Joe Biden, this country will become the next communist country like Cuba. If you vote for Donald Trump, you're voting for a racist. If you vote for Joe Biden, he will take away your guns. You know, fear is one of the strongest intimidation tactics on the planet. Be very alert for fear mongering because it may be the most common tactic to condition you to vote and behave a certain way. You know what I would love to see in society is we throw off this complacency and conformity which breeds 
this classical conditioning in politics. Nothing would please me more than our nation knock out of power the politicians who use these despicable tactics, fear-mongering, repeating nonsense, all these all these different tools that I've mentioned. You know, instead I would love to see us in I would love to see in its place. I'd I'd love to see this demand for accountability by people. I would love to see these politicians serving the people that they were elected to serve and let go of the party. That we demand that dark veil of the party, this political machine. That we could see it lifted and those in power behind the curtain brought into the light of day. So they can scurry away like the cockroaches that they are into some dark recess of society. Never to hold power over the people again. It would be amazing if conservatives and liberals would disagree, compromise, and meet consensus. Not to score a political point, but that the politicians in office would do it so that they actually served the people they were sent to Washington, D.C. to serve. That the people would once again have the power and not the po- not the political parties. So, as I end this podcast, as I often end my lectures, you nor I can take on the intellectual capacity of the entire nation. We can't snap our fingers and we, we, we can only take care of our own personal responsibility for ourselves in our own lives and our own actions and demonstrate honesty and integrity and open-mindedness and then if we demonstrate that in our own lives it does have the power to influence those around us for our own parts today Breaking free from that life in which you're conditioned by the political parties to behave a certain way, uh, to vote a certain way, to act a certain way. This is something we can control ourselves, each of us in our own lives. And if we do this, at least exercising intellectual freedom instead of bondage in our own life, then we are at least living free intellectually. And if enough people start to do this, then we can possibly transition this ugly state that we are in right now. We didn't fall into this ugly mess in one day or one year, even four years. This is something that's been degrading over decades of time. And so we need to try and put an end to the direction this is going in you know if we think about it and you may think oh that's impossible this is going to be what it's going to be there's no there's no way i mean really i guess we can say the only other choice is just to surrender just surrender and say oh well this is the way well we're just going to follow these two political parties down to wherever it might lead but you know in politics surrendering it usually ends up with a single power a single authority in charge of everything. The United States has survived in this very sickly state of balance between two very corrupt political parties. But who is to say that if we all remain like sheep, 
that eventually one of these parties doesn't just simply throw off and completely end the other political party. And when there's only a party of one, there you've got socialism. And socialism is really nothing more than a road to fascism and communism. There's no there's no way down that and there's no example of history where socialism just kind of stays where it does. So all of us need to be very alert and very diligent if we value a democracy if we value freedom of thought if we value intellectual freedom and critical thinking and the ability to give our own opinions if we value that surrender really isn't a choice what we need to do in each of our lives is not let our politicians get away with that Thank you so much for listening. I hope you found value for the time you invested with me today. For discussion on this topic and many others, I invite you to join our private forums. I personally will be over there and engaging with everyone. And it's just a community of like-minded thinkers just like yourself. If you're not a member yet and looking for a community online that is very different, go to www.daviddhopkins.com. That's www.daviddhopkins.com. Follow the links and you can join us. You know, the best way to expand intellectually is to engage in a real dialogue in a way that fosters growth, understanding, and rigorous discussion without all the name-calling, demagoguery, and flame-throwing silliness of social media and the rest of society. This is what the private forum provides. I would love to see you join. Until the next episode, all my very best to you and your family.